Hello, everybody. Welcome in. I am James Adams. He is Skeeter Robinson. This is the Fantastics, my fantasy fix DFS golf podcast. The first one we officially record in the new year of 2020. We're coming off of the uh, first event, the Tournament of Champions, the Century Tournament of Champions in Hawaii. We will stay in Hawaii for the second straight week of uh, action. It's the Sony Open. It is on Honolulu this time. It's a par 70, 7,044 yards. And Skeeter Robinson, I welcome you in. And before we get going, I will ask you, what, if anything, do we take from the playoff victory that was Justin Thomas's just, well, really, less than a day ago as we record this? Um, it's amazing that these world-class players still feel pressure, even in a, you know, a 30-person field event. Like, we saw JT on 18 kind of put one, I mean, he could miss, he could miss miles to the right and puts one in a penalty area in the left and Xander three-putting and then kind of took three holes for the playoff. But, um, yeah, Kapalua did not play as easy as they, uh, as we originally thought. I think the wind was a factor. The fact they also reseeded, all, I think, all the uh, grass from Tita Green, they said, and some mm-hmm. of the putting greens, I think, kind of played a role into it. So, you know, it was a little bit of a different tournament than we expected. But in the end, you know, JT kind of continuing the way he ended 2019 by winning 2020. And, you know, last time he won at uh, the Tournament of Champion- Champions in Kapalua, he went on to win in the Sony. And, well, he's there this week, too. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, I mean, a lot of times I fade the guy who had won the week before and uh, expectation of celebration, what have you. Justin Thomas is not that guy. I have no no question he could win again this week. And uh, I think it was already his 12th win on tour as a 27-year-old. So he's one of those guys you got to look at every single week, regardless of course or um, field or any of anything, and say, you know, if he's healthy, he's always got to be one of the front runners to win, right? Absolutely. In effect, I want to say somewhere – a few weeks ago, his went odds to win the Masters was like sixteen or eighteen to one. It was something like really high. So I don't know if that number's still out there for those of you who do the sports betting. But um, if it is, um, you might want to jump on that because that's not going to last very long. I may need to go take a peek at that now, Skeeter. Is uh, the change since last year when we were obviously we're not to the majors yet, but um, a year ago, legalized sports betting non-existent close to me. It is now in Indiana. Just uh, really just 15 minutes away as I live in this tri-state area in northern Kentucky, southwestern Ohio, and southeastern Indiana. So that may be something that I will soon be checking on, my friend. Yeah, in Illinois, we're supposedly supposed to have it before um, before the Masters. Like, I think they're saying April 1st, but we've already seen some delays here. So, I mean, who knows? That'll be kind of close, but... That'll be something I get into. That is something for another day, however, as, uh, you know, I know uh, last week I was telling you Patrick Cantley might be my shortlist. Certainly John Rahm on the shortlist of guys to break through who hasn't done it yet, but uh, not in this field. Actually, either one of them in this field. So I think maybe we should transition into the Sony. What do you say, bro? Yep, that sounds good to me. By the way, I'm just looking right now at, um, I don't know, Odds Checker, so they have some different sites out there. Like, if you're in a spot, if you're in an area where you can bet on, like, FanDuel Sportsbook or um, DraftKings, 14 to 1 on JT to win the Masters. Like okay. That seems, that seems like a pretty good value. It's a good return when uh, I'm willing to bet that unless he was his wrist last year, he hurt, right? Unless that were to creep back up, something like that, that, I mean, you know for sure he's going to be one of the 
three highest priced players come Masters time, if not uh, number one. And we'll see. I mean, the way DJ played last week gives me no indication to feel like he's going to be in that elite upper echelon come then. And um, well, we'll have a lot. We'll, we'll have a lot of things that play out between now and then. Yeah, yeah, but um, I would assume for Augusta it'll be Rory, Tiger, um, Brooks. Spieth will be a lower number than he should be because he's got immaculate history there, so and he's a popular name. So, but he yeah, be, no, he it, might be hitting the ball by then too. Yeah, that's true. But no, I, I mean, this is a this is a time that if you find somebody who's starting to get in the form and you think they fit, this is a perfect time. Like Paul Casey, I believe, is probably like something like forty to one, and he's got pretty good history minus last year. Justin Rose is sitting at twenty, like. These are the t- these are the times to get some of these future bets in if you if you want to look at that route so you can find some values. Casey and Rose, guys, I turned to last year that uh, uh, that that certainly hurt me. Um, you're not the only let's, one. Yeah, let's uh let's get into the Sony Open here though. Much different course. Um, we're both you know again the players on Hawaii for a second week in a row, but uh, a lot of differences here. Par three holes, uh, three strokes less. Distance is about 500 yards less, and a big conversation last week was change of elevation. Um, even some younger guys uh, acknowledged getting tired towards the end of. I think it was Lanto Griffin. I'd be remiss. To, I'm not. I'm, I'm not 100% on this, but I believe listening to the broadcast on SiriusXM, they had talked about how Lanto Griffin said he had gotten tired in the third, uh, the first round on Thursday because of all the change of elevation. That's not going to be the case this week. So, yes, Hawaii, but other than that, it's really a much different course, right? Yeah, par 70, um, I don't have the yardage in front of me. I think it's just over 7,000 yards. 7,044, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Uh, so only two par 5s on 9 and 18, so both both 9s end with a par 5. Uh, scoring has been a fairly easier course. Like when I did the course ranks, it's all in the bottom half of difficulty, so... Not a real challenging course, so I would expect the cut to be probably somewhere minus two, minus three-ish. Um, not a real long co- uh, course. There is a there's one hole at 13. It's a 500-yard par four. Number one's 490. But other than that, just nothing terribly challenging about this. Uh, when I look at the stats, again, usually t- my my usual is tee to green, ball striking, things like that, but. Hitting fairways has been typically tough to do here, so I think you want somebody with a little bit of accuracy. Driving distance didn't really pop as something. Um, proximity from about 150 to 200 yards, so maybe your middle irons, your 8 irons, 7 irons, 6 irons, how well do people do with that? And putting has you know, kind of been a, a staple that's kind of shown up here in the past. So this always statistically is a tough time of year because we mm. don't really know how people are coming off the break, and even those who played in the fall swing, there were like three or four events where we didn't have strokes gain data, so it's pr- it's a little bit of a blend for me, short-term and long-term, but kind of like even all opening, you know, a few weeks of football, uh, basketball, even baseball, whatever sport it is, it's tough to get a real gauge to where people are at because we just don't know, so, you know, we'll have some ideas based on the golfers who played last week or how they played in the fall, but Expect a lot of variance here, probably for the first, you know, six weeks or so until maybe we get into Florida. And then maybe we'll have an idea on some of these golfers, but even then, it's still a limited sample size. 
Yeah, I was I was going to ask how much do you take into account um, the few players that we got to see last week, or perhaps even going back to the Presidents Cup and and form from those two events because you know quite frankly, you look at history, not course history, but recent history for some of these guys. We're talking about a, a month and a half. So, is there a reason to? put extra emphasis on guys coming off of a good round, like a Reed or a Thomas, a good weekend, I should say, or is there um, maybe merit in fading guys that really didn't play well? Some of the bottom feeders uh, from last week. I think it depends basically what they did. Like JT, I think is perfectly fine. He, he was, I mean, most of his strokes came T approach, which is what you want to see. Whereas Patrick Reed, he gained nine <clears throat> strokes putting. So that's, you know, a slight concern. Um, Somebody like Neiman was was fairly good straight across the board. I'm trying to think of the guys who are playing this week. Like Kucher, he gained an approach, but he gained three and a half strokes putting. That's a slight concern. Um, I'll say I'll save our $6,200 special for later. But there's some golfers who just when you look across the board, like oh, you know, like Sebastian Munoz lost five and a half strokes approach. Historically, that's just not going something that he typically does. Whereas if you look at someone like Corey Connors, you know. Gained 2.4 approach, but lost 2.5 putting. That's nothing new for Corey Connor. So, you know, basically, what did they do last week, and how does that compare to their normal type of stance? Even try to compare to what they did in the fall for whatever data we have for that. You know, I think you can look at that a little bit. But I, I might, I, you know, I might even rely on course history here a little bit too. Just you know, how do people do in the first time, you know, first event of the year? Mm. I, if I had more time, I would actually try to see how people have done coming off the tournament of champions that play Sony. What's the impact on that? But I just, that's not, that I think it would be a really deep dive, and I just don't have the time for that. Yeah, but if you're interested, I mean, the course history is up on my fantasy fix, as is uh, you could still get to last week's course history. So something that easily could be done by anybody who wanted to take a look at a particular player, something like that, though. Possibly. Um, but what, well, what I do with the tournament history when I post this is I only post the current week's players. So, right. for, so for somebody like Jimmy Walker, who is in this week's field, he won't be on last week's because he wasn't in the field last week. Or uh, Keegan Bradley would be another one. So, yes, yeah, so you can get some limited data on a few golfers, but outside of that, it might be tough just because... If they didn't play last week, they're not on that tournament history file. That's that's fair. Are you ready to get into this week's tournament and the top tier players? Yes, I am. All right, let's do it. The 10K plus tier. We've got five this week. Um, pretty interesting. We've got the defending champ from last week, Justin Thomas, to lead it off. He's at 12K. Webb Simpson, the next golfer at 11-1. Patrick Reed, 10-8. Hideki Matsuyama, 10-5. And Colin Morikawa. At 10-3, there's your five. Skeeter, I'll ask you first, who is your favorite out of these five? I'm glad I praised Justin Thomas up to 12K. Like, now I think you have a decision to make. But that being said, I think there's enough value that in the 6K range that I think you can easily fit Justin Thomas in. I mean, he's the clear class of this field. Mm -hmm. I find Reed off the playoff. Morikawa's an okay. Hideki's fine, but I mean, it's JT's world right now. I mean, he's top three over all the models. If I'm looking at four rounds, I'm looking at 100 rounds, anything between, he's top four in that. I, I'm using the stats off 24 rounds. He's first He's first in that model. He's first tee to green in approach. British are better. Second DraftKings points. Ninth opportunity is gained. And he's top 10 in the proximities from 150 to 200. 
I understand 12k is a big price. If you don't want to pay, I completely get it, but he just feels like an absolute lock for like a top 15 finish. Has played well here before, so there's enough value for me that I can I think I can fit JT in at 12k. I have no qualms with Thomas. My favorite player is going to be Webb Simpson. The reasoning, well, I'm wondering how many people might tend to go Thomas or Reed versus Webb, given the fact that they finished 1-2 uh, just, you know, just hours ago from when we're recording in the Tournament of Champions. So I wonder if I don't get maybe just a little bit of an ownership leverage on Webb. And then I look at what he'd been doing, and I know we're just not sure where it's at, but it's not like he didn't keep it going to finish 10th at the uh, Hero World Challenge. A smaller field, so not exactly like finishing 10th in this field, but still no small feat in itself. Was playing well down the uh, stretch of the fall. I mean, really, it, he didn't win that major to get into that group of two, but my goodness, he was really good all year long. So for me, Webb Simpson, and if you want a little bit extra, look at the course history, 4th, 13th, 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 20th. Uh, those are his last five finishes here. It's almost like you could just guarantee a 13th. I will take Webb Simpson. I hope for better than 13th, but the way he'd been playing in the fall and the class of player he is, um, it's not easy to split between him and Thomas and Reed, but Webb is my guy for those reasons. Wait, one missed cut all last year. Like I was like, why did he not? Why was he not in the tournament champion? He had three runner-up finishes, or mm -hmm. four. Maybe, maybe four runner-up finishes last year. Um, one missed cut. After, so starting with the Masters, he made every cut. His worst finish was 30th at, at the Open. Like, everything else was top 30. Well, even then, it was, that was top 30. Like, just amazing consistency. I yeah. completely get the Webb Simpson play, and he's at a discount. I just, you know, if I'm paying up, I you know, I think I can find the extra 1000 for JT and just guy, go with a guy who has been winning and who's just on fire right now. If you didn't go JT, or if you were to play two guys in this tier, who would be number two for you? I think it might be Morikawa at ten three. Um, has you know when I when I look when I run the stat models again, he's top ten in every single range from four to a hundred rounds. Granted, he hasn't played a hundred rounds on tour yet, but he still fits pretty well in that in that regard. Uh, I'm trying to see what his oh, I lost that one. Oh no, Let's see, that is okay putting, but. But when I look over the 24 rounds, he's 6th in approach, 17th tee to green, 11th in birdies to better, 17th drafting points. Like, he does score. I mean, this is a little bit of a discount at 10-3 compared to these other guys. I think he might kind of go a little under-owned here, so I don't – he'd be my second play. So, Webb's my favorite. I have a guy who is my least favorite. Yeah. The other three are all just kind of – I'm not sure. Uh, yeah. I like Thomas, but the price is, is prohibitive to an extent. Mm -hmm. uh, Morikawa hasn't played here, so I'm not sure how much that bothers me. Patrick Reed, he hasn't played here a ton, but he has played here, and he's done decent. So for that, I will say Patrick Reed my second favorite play. It could easily be Morikawa or Thomas, though. But Reed, obviously playing very well uh, through, um, you know, last, well, the fourth, or the, the fourth time through 18th, the third time, as a playoff hole, Reed played pretty well yesterday. Heck, I was afraid he was going to win it on the first playoff hole with the first good shot he, he hit in the second shot. Patrick Reed's a world-class player. He finished 13th here last year. He'll be my number two. It could easily be Thomas or Morikawa, though. See, Reed, for me, is my uh, least favorite of okay. this year. 
just because he gained nine and a half strokes putting, like that's hard to sustain even for a pretty good putter like Reed. Doesn't have um, he's okay course history, but I just, not a lot there. I yeah. just worry about the letdown and especially you know you know I think the cheater comments on 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 his uh, last birdie putt. That might bother him. Like, he better get used to it because he's going to get heckled. But I don't know. I just – I think I like the other four in this tier a little bit better than him. The mental part bothers me none. Reed asks for it. He he begs for it. Uh, I think he enjoys it. Uh, so the people yelling and being, you know, the, the heel, the, the, the villain, I don't think that bothers him one bit. I mean, the dude dresses in all black a lot for a reason. Uh, I'm telling you, he likes it. So that stuff doesn't bother me. I get why you uh, would fade him, though. My fade is going to be Hideki Matsuyama. It's not that he's not a good player or anything, but he was kind of lackluster last year, in my opinion. And then when I look at the course history, 51st, 27th, 78th, a pair of missed cuts, that's his course history going back through seven, eight years. So to me, that just is enough to say I'm not paying premium price for you when I could pay a little more for Reed, a little bit less for Morikawa. The uh, the course history just does it for me for Hideki. And he's the worst of these five putting on Poa, too, over 50 rounds. So, that, I mean, I get it. Strong fall, which gives me a little pause. I mean, there's a reason these are the 10K tiers, but um, I don't know. Hideki just was underwhelming all of 2019, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean... He's like one of these guys that's just got to win a major at some point, doesn't he? We think so. I mean, we think that about Matt Kuchar, but the door might be shut on him now. It's getting yeah, close, anyway. I mean, if he's going to win, he'll be at the Masters because he's played well, so so well there. Maybe he'd make another run at the Open, but let's see. Uh, PGA at Harding Park, maybe. I don't see him winning U.S. Open at Linkfoot. I can see, yeah, I can see him winning a PGA at, at Harding Park in San Francisco this year. Talking about Cooch? Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm just putting, uh, I'm, I'm just throwing Cooch out as an example because there are guys we say, oh, he should win a major. He should win a major. Well, sometimes, uh, you know, sometimes these guys come out of nowhere and win the major that a Hideki or a Kuchar should win, and they just don't ever get their major. We'll see if uh, Hideki does. I think Kuchar, like I said, you know what I mean? There's a spot or two left for him, but it's getting thin. So you're right. Hideki needs to win one. Will he? I don't know. I don't know. No, my guy, my guy Lee Westwood's probably not going to win one either. So. Yeah, you know, and Lee probably uh, as much as anybody and Kuchar to a point, uh, they lost out because, well, they played, you know, Lee Westwood's prime kind of mimicked the, the same time period as Tiger's prime. And so when you got a guy winning double-digit majors, it's awful hard for you to sneak in your one because Lee Westwood was a fantastic ball striker and probably would have won one had he played in a different era than the Tiger era, but we'll never know. That's right. Yeah, we'll never know. Um, well, is that uh, is that enough for the 10K tier? Are we ready to take it to 9K? Yep. All right, just a handful of golfers in this one as well. We'll start with the aforementioned Matt Kuchar at 99, Sunjay M, 96, Joaquin Neiman, 94, Mark Leishman, 92, Charles Howe, the third, 91. Abraham Answer, the last, comes in at an even 9K. I'll start with you. Your favorite play in the 9K tier. Uh, why did I get off of him last week? Like, when I, when I went to JT, I decided, okay, i got to get rid of one of these mid, you know, the upper 7, low 8K guys. And for whatever reason, I decided I would choose Corey Cotters instead of Joaquin Neiman. And I just sit there watch all weekend Neiman playing so well. So I'm also just continuing to, you know, I'm, I'm going to go back to him here, uh, 
fourth in my model over 24 rounds. He's fifth in opportunities gained, 13th in approach, 15th tee to green. Top 20 birdies are better, DraftKings points, and even putting, which is odd to see. Joaquin Neiman getting strokes putting. Like, that's kind of been a downward thing for him, but he just feels like he's starting to trend into this elite, this, you know, maybe not elite, but, you know, kind of taking a John Rahm approach where he's eventually getting there. Uh, mm-hmm. when I, even though when I look back at all his past tournaments from the fall, getting strokes on approach, getting strokes off the tee, all things I want to see. He's had some pretty good putting performances, but he's at 9,400. I think I get a lot of upside here, a lot of chance to win. Played well last week. I like that coming into this week. So for me, it's uh, Joaquin. Not going to argue with that. Um, I certainly saw uh, him play well last week and thought how happy you must be. I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm, I'm guessing you not as happy as I thought you would be. Um, my favorite play in this tier, I'm going to go with Mark Leishman. Uh, he's got three top tens in the last seven years here and a 20th as well. Uh, he's made the cut each time in the last seven years. Leishman third last year. Then it goes back a while. In 2014, he was fifth. 2013, he was ninth. So he's a guy who can play well here and then leishman is a guy who's playing pretty decent right now i mean the zozo championship didn't go his way but in september he, he third at the safe way um so give me some mark leishman here again this is a guy who wasn't playing great in october but that was october we don't have that short-term model that that rates to what's happened recently and with the good course history, I'll go with Mark Leishman, where I think a guy like Neiman probably gets a little uh, a little more uh, acknowledgement here just because, well, he was getting a lot of t- TV time last weekend. Yeah, and people love playing Neiman, too. Yeah, Leishman probably will fly underneath the radar here a little bit. Very good course history. And if the winds pick up, we know he played the wind, so that might yeah. be a plus to him. If you don't go Neiman, where do you go in this 9K tier? Well, I realize this is probably a pure course history play, but, um, you know, if we're talking about the Sony Open and we're talking this time of year, this is literally Charles Howell the third type of year. I mean, look at his course history. He's got five top tens the past uh, yeah. eight years. No finish worse than 32nd. Like, for, despite the fact he's from Augusta, Georgia, he loves POA and loves the West Coast. Actually, I don't know if he loves POA, but... Oh, it tends to be a West West uh, West Coast type of grass and the putting surfaces. Yeah, he's actually fourth in putting on POA over the past 50 rounds. So this is kind of Charles Howell's time of year. And this, again, is one of those things where if we're looking at how do people do first start out, it, you know, he's played very well in the past over this. And, you know, he missed a cut the RSM, but that was right on the number, which uh, rarely holding against somebody. But even mm-hmm. in the fall, 20th at OHL, 8th at Zozo, 4th uh, at Safeway, like, he had some good fall finishes, Had a, coming off a pretty good season. 9,200, I think he will be a course history type of play that people just go to him for that reason. Or 9,100, sorry. So that is a slight concern, but, I mean, he's proven it. So if you want to go here, I, do, I don't have a problem with that. He's my number two and could have easily been my number one. I'm a little worried about getting big-time ownership, course history, what have you. I'll be using Charles Howe III as well, no question. The course history you just is undeniable. Um, I will say that Matt Kuchar, another guy with great course history who is the defending champ, um, was a very close in my list of these top three as well. So I think Kuch deserves some, uh, some, some consideration, but Howe, I mean, you just can't ignore that. No, it's funny you say Kuchar. He's, he's actually my fade in this category. Just still, really? 
Still not playing real good. Like last week, he did gain an approach, but he lost nearly three strokes off the tee. And he gained three strokes putting. So that just seems to be a little bit of a concern with me for Cooch. Like, I, I get it. He's, I mean, good history here. Maybe he, maybe he just needed the break, but I'm not paying 9900 for him right now where I still have some questions about his overall form. Okay. No argument with me there. Um, I... Uh... I look at this group and it's like, ah, oh, you know, I'm not sure that there's anybody I'm absolutely, you know, hating to play. And that's kind of the same thing with the 10K tier. Uh, they're priced up this reason for a bit, but I'm going to fade Abraham answer. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, he did really well at Mayakoba and the, uh, the HSBC championship. So, I mean, two top tens in his last round. This has been a while ago. The reason I'll fade answer, 29th year last year, missed a cut the year before, limited course history that's not great. Again, the 9K tier, you're talking about, you know, splitting hairs. I'll I'll, I'll say Abe answer, but if people wanted to play him, I mean, I couldn't say that it was a foolish maneuver either. No, and one of the interesting things, too, is when we look at these fall swing events, especially the later ones, a lot of them are played on coastal courses just like this one. So yeah. that is something to kind of keep an eye on. Like a couple of years ago, it was Pack Desire, I think won RSM and then turn around and won this event. So there is some, sometimes some correlation between that. Are you ready to take it to the AK tier? Yep. All right. We've got a uh, 10 man tier here. We won't go through them individually. We'll, uh, we'll just start off uh, with you and say your favorite out of this 10 man AK tier. I was Happy this guy was priced in the low 8Ks because I was I was afraid he'd be in the upper 8Ks. I, mean, I was wondering if I could the lineup, but um, give me some Brian Harmon at 8200. Had a pretty good fall: 14th at RSM, 18th at Shriners, 14th at Sanderson Farms, third at the Greenbrier. A miscut at Houston and a bet, just not a great week at Mayakoba. But he's another one that just when you look at his course history. Missed a cut here last year, but prior to that, 4th, 20th, 13th, 13th. Has been playing well. Rates out decently well in my stat model. 9th tee to green, 21st putting. Uh, top 30 in DraftKings points, opportunities gained, and fairways gained. Like, for me, 8,200, a, a proven guy with pretty good course history who was in decent form in the fall, I will take the chance on him here. Uh, I'm, I'm right, right there, there with you. I like, like him quite a lot. lot. He's, He's not my favorite in this tier, but he will certainly make his way into some of my lineups as well. My favorite, I'm going to go with Corey Connors. Um, I know that maybe you were a little disappointed that you went with him instead of Joaquin Neiman last week. And you know what? You're right. 19th at the Tournament of Champions. Well, that's middle of the pack. That's, you know, he's barely under par at two under. So I wasn't in love with how he played last weekend, but he also was under par. And look what he did going back to the last, last fall. Sanderson Farms, he did not make the cut. He was minus one. From there, Safeway Open, 13th. 12th at CJ Cup. 6th at Zozo. 20th at HSBC. Corey Connors has been playing very well. And then when you look at what he's done here, he's been pretty decent as well. Third last year. Really a short history, but third last year. 39th the year before. So Connors proved he can compete here. And he's played well, really, before last week. And wasn't terrible last week. He didn't have a blow-up number. He just couldn't quite uh, He couldn't put up that great number on a harder scoring course. But I like Corey, Corey Connors even at 8,900 at the top of the tier. Well, you and I are similar in this range because he's my number two. Um, okay, makes rates sense. Out, rates out second in my stat model. First greens regulation, second tee to green, fourth approach, eighth opportunities gained. Um, 
really the the problem with Corey Connors when it comes down to is his putting. Like he's 113th putting, and over 50 rounds of polo, he's like bottom 30 in this field. So that's always the problem with Corey Connors is can he actually make putts? But everything his Tina Green game's phenomenal. If he if he has even an average putter, he will be in contention. So I don't mind at 8900. I'm with you right there. Um, I mean, as I said, he's my number one. So with him being your number two, I actually had Harmon as my three. I'm going to go with Cam Smith as my number two. Um, looking at Cam Smith again, going back to September 24th at the Military Tribute uh, at Greenbrier. He did not make the cut at Sanderson, but 13th at Shriners, third at CJ Cup. He was 60 at HSBC, so um, that's not something I'm in love with, but still pretty good coming down the uh, the fall there. 22nd last year here, 18th year before, 27th year before, was 81st the first time out, but has been really good the last three years since. So um, for those reasons, Cam Smith, the guy who I'm definitely going to turn to as my other play, but as I said, Harmon, a very close third for me, so I like him too. Use like all your Aussies today. That's not necessarily how I planned it, but it's where we're at. It's a shorter travel for them. So you're going to be on Matt Jones at 7,200? He's a, he, I mean, you play the all Aussie lineups if you want. I, I mean, I may, I may have, have that, that lineup now, now but uh, for what it's worth, worth, I thought Cam Smith played really well in the President's Cup, too. So, yeah, I mean, I, I, I enjoyed the heck out of watching him compete. Like, I became a fan of his during the uh, President's Cup. So, for what, you know, and I, I know it was in his home country and, and all that, but I thought he played really gritty down the uh, stretch on Sunday slash our Saturday night. So I kind of became a fan of Cam Smith a little bit, too, for what it's worth. Uh, very good putter and very good score, too, for Cam Smith. And heck, he's second over the past 50 rounds on putting on POA. So, def- I mean, it may- he makes sense. Um, for me, my fade in this, in this tier is Brendan Todd. Like, I mean, I know he won on some of these coastal courses back in the fall when he was on fire, but... It feels like he might have just cooled off a little bit, was not very good last week at, uh, at the Tournament of Champions. Maybe this is more his course, but, you know, I'm just going to take a chance here that, you know, we've seen the hot streak and it's just the inevitable letdown that happens. So, for me, Brendan Todd's my fade. Uh, I'm 100%, 100% with, with you. He's not my 10th out, out of 10 here, here but... but- uh, we're, we're, we're pretty, pretty similar throughout this tier here, I believe. My actual fade here, the last guy for me, is Kevin Kisner at 8,700. Um, again, I mean, Kisner was, look, he was all right. He finished four under. Um, probably uh, cost a few strokes on Sunday going for, you know, a little bit of an attack mode as he was, what, uh, seven under going into that and then went three over on Sunday. So Kisner was okay, but Kisner, I mean, again, I just haven't been impressed with a whole lot of his game since – the, the, the match play championship, which is now 10 years, or 10 years, 10, years, 10 uh, months in the rearview mirror, mirror. So, I fade kids here. Yeah, this this does at least feel like a course that suts him well. Like, par 70, 7,000-yard course. He's had two top fives here in the last ten, uh, five, four years, but he's also had some bads. Yeah, this does feel like a Kisner course, but I get the four why you would want to go there. Yeah, so. Anything else from the 8K before we take it to 7K? Nope. All right, we've got a uh, large grouping again here, and uh, certainly much different than the choices we had in the 7K tier last week. Skeeter, with a large group, I'll start with you. Your favorite play in this 7K tier? I'm not sure I have a real favorite yet. Um, I have Barney Stard, but I guess if I'm going to go here, oh boy, 
You know, maybe I'm just a sucker, but uh, Kyle Stanley at 7K, is, uh, I'll declare him my favorite. Um, rates very well statistically for me. Eighth in my model, third approach, third opportunity gain, fifth in greens and regulation. Seventh from that distance from 150 to 175, 13th tee degree. Putting will always be the concern with Kyle Stanley. His last couple tournaments, though, he did gain strokes. Has been consistently gaining strokes on approach, which is always something that's good, I'm going to like. Has been fairly good around the green, fairly good off the tee, maybe slightly negative, but overall not bad. 30th at RSM, 21st at Houston. Didn't really play well at OHL. It just, maybe I'm just a sucker for the name here, but 7K feels way too cheap for me on Kyle Stanley. What is his, what is his course history? Um, yeah, pretty good course history, too. 22nd and 10th has a 13th and 23rd all in there. So, you know, Stanley at 7K, I, I just trust the long-term form on him. He will be my favorite play, but I have some others in this tier as well. Yeah, yeah I, think I think there's a lot, a lot of different ways, ways to go. go. It's, it's a bigger, bigger tier than normal. normal. Um, um I mean, how do I start the year off in a full field in the 7K tier and not go to one of my guys? It's the Slovakian. Hashtag real Rory Sabatini. How do I not go with him? Okay, here's the deal. His history here, good, not great. Now, he did finish six here six years ago, five years ago. Um, the last three years have been good, not great. 33rd, 32nd, 45th. But he's, but he's making, making the cuts. cuts. He's, he's been, been really, really I, thought, I think last year he played, he played really well, well especially, especially once the summer hit. Going back to October, October he was 10th at the, at the Italian, Italian Open. Open. 31st at CJ Cup, 33rd Zozo, 33rd Mayakoba. He was 53rd at RSM, a little bit of a reason to take pause. But at the same time, he also still made the cut. That's also now a month and a half in the rear view. When we don't know a whole lot about the recent form of most of these guys in the 77Ks, at 7,600, a guy who I rode all year last year, and there's no reason for me to stop right now. Rory Sabatini, my favorite play at 7K. Yeah, you and I have our own golfers that we like, and I'm about to mention another one that I've kind of played a bunch. I mean, I don't, I know I played Stanley a bunch, but there's another one coming up here that I seem to play a lot that's a consideration for me. But no, you know, he's he's got to prep for his Olympic debut. I mean, and. And who knows if he goes really – if he catches fire, maybe he'll play in the Ryder Cup for the Euros. Doubtful, but we'll see. Doubtful, Doubtful but, but we, he, he could get, get a captain's pick. Oh, I mean, he probably would have been on the president's team if he maintained his loyalty to South Africa. I, I would have. I would, I would have assumed so, so given, given the way, the way he, played he played last year. I would assume so. But we will never know. He's a Slovakian now. Um, and we'll, and we'll, see, we'll, we'll see if he makes that Ryder Cup team. I, I would be surprised at that. I don't think he's making the Ryder Cup. Especially, Especially since if it's a cap comes down to a captain's pick, are you going to take a guy who, like, didn't grow up being, you know, didn't grow up a European? I would think not. But at any rate, that's a discussion for probably September. We'll talk about this 7K tier a little more. If you don't go with your boy Henley, where do you go? So a few names I want to mention here. Uh, Sebastian Munoz, pretty good score. Um Played okay last week, not great, but he's somebody I can go to 10th here a year ago. 7,900, I can go there. Brian Stewart has really good course history, and this feels like a really good setup for him as well. Rates out very well, very consistent among my model, top half in every single category. Um, I'm not, Grillo will be always popular. He's like he's like Corey Connors lights. If he can actually make a putt, he'd be he'd be in good shape. Alonzo Griffin at 7,500. He played well last week, so mm -hmm. that, that feels cheap. Uh, my guy Vaughn Taylor, 7,400. Rates out again very well in the scoring categories. 
actually pretty. He's top half in every single category. He feels way too cheap. And then Ryan Armour rates out really well. Like, very good tee to green. Everything, not even good scoring. Just has issues putting at 7K. Those are the guys that stick out to me. Like, I, I could also go Zach Johnson. But that's, you know. That's great, great course, course history, history, man. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and has been playing better. Played played decent in the fall and maybe starting to find a little bit of his game. But um, uh, there's a, or maybe there's a couple other names I'll mention, but I'll let you kind of go from there. See if there's anybody that you want to mention that I didn't. My, My secondary, secondary guy, guy probably Lonzo Griffin, Griffin because of the, of the fact, fact that we saw him play last week. week. So, so he's, he's still playing at a pretty decent clip. clip. Uh, uh, he would be in the mix for me. Um, you mentioned Ryan Palmer. He's got to be in the mix for me, too, a former champion. And I think the list of former champions is kind of interesting. You know, anywhere from a Ryan Palmer, Patton Kazire, to a Matt Kuchar, uh, Justin Thomas, even Jimmy Walker when he was winning was, uh, was a legit golfer. So I think it's funny how all over the place these former champs are from, you know, golf Hall of Fame potential to guys we may forgot we have completely forgotten about. But uh, Palmer's got to be in the mix for me, as you mentioned. Um, so probably between those two for me, I want to say that Piercy was a guy who was uh, who was interesting me as well in this uh, in this tier. Well, I never get Scott Piercy right, so I rarely play him. But um, seventy one hundred, yeah, that's a that's a name like oh. I think and he's got decent history here, doesn't he? He, he does. Guys. Yeah, he's he's finished he's as well as second, second. Uh, in the last, last eight years. He's had five top twenty fives out of the last eight years. Thirty third last year. So, so yeah, yeah, pretty good course, course history. history. I would say because you know when I get done with this course history, I start looking like oh who, you know who who's kind of popping, and this is where my color coding system really helps. I think because you see a lot of color. Mm-hmm. There's one I, I looked like oh Scott oh great Scott Piercy. I have to make a decision on him, but I just never get him right. Um, I would ask you, I don't think you mentioned Russell Knox. Is he a guy you're interested in? Uh, he was playing pretty decent in the fall. Was he? I don't remember him playing well. Not killing it, but 20th at RSM, 33rd at Mayakoba, 11th at Bermuda, 28th at Houston, uh, 48th at Shriners. If you're going to the Euro Tour, 15th at Alfred Dunhill. So, yeah, I mean, he was at 7,800. I thought, I thought he was playing good, not great. No, um, yeah, no, no. He's playing better than I thought. Uh, fourth in greens and regulation, third proximity from 135 to 200, 12th in approach. So he hit some of the metrics. I wish he was a couple hundred cheaper, but that's probably nitpicking at this point. Yeah. Um, um, I, agree I agree with you on, on Taylor, Taylor, too. He was a guy who was on my short list. Um, Pat Perez may be the only guy you haven't mentioned that uh, I would think garner some consideration. He had started to uh, play pretty well down the stretch, too, and he's only 7,400. Prefer, I mean, he's po- he likes Poa, so I mean that would that would at least make sense a little bit. And of course, he can pop out of nowhere. Um, eighth at OHL, so that that would fit that narrative. Um, no problems with Pat Perez. You, know, okay. you and I are fans of him. Two other guys I just want to mention: Daniel Berger is number one over fifty round Poa putting, but I don't know where his game is at. And then, if you want to play the world rankings versus um, versus uh, pricing, I think he's. 30, he's 30th in the world. Wow. Uh, 7,300, Shugo Imahara. Granted, most of this is done on the Japanese tour, but if you want to play the angle, I mean, he's mispriced for his world ranking, so you can take a look there. I don't know much about him, but if you want to, sure. 
I tried that narrative last uh, last year, and it never really seemed to work for me playing guys that weren't exclude like generally PGA Tour players whose uh, whose world ranking kind of didn't match it. It didn't really work for me last year. Berger, another name that I had written down is one that I was interested in. You talked, you asked about his recent history. Seventeenth at Zozo did not make the cut at Houston. He was plus eight, so bad. But Shriners, he was uh, 18th. Safeway, he was 23rd. So when you look at three of the four fall uh, course, um, fall tournaments that he played, three were really good. One was terrible. He's made all four cuts here with a couple top 15. So, yeah, I mean, I mean this, and this is why I think I can play Thomas and I can play somebody else in the 9K or 8K range. So that there's so many values here, and there's even so many values in the, you know, all levels of the 7K tier that I think you can find it. And there, and there's still some nice plays in the 6K range, which we haven't even gotten to yet. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm not, not sure. sure. I, it, we'll, we'll, we'll just, I'll hit you first. first. In, in the, the 7K, 7K, is there somebody you're absolutely not going to turn to? Oh, boy. I hadn't thought about that question. Well... I will go with Kevin Na because he's still, you know, I want to see what he's like coming off injury, even though this does feel like a decent course fit for Kevin Na, but I just don't, don't know where he is. I think he has a couple of draws in the fall due to injury concerns. So, you know, I think I just want to see something out of him before I go to him. How about on top of that, 76, 74, 77, 75? I know the course got a little harder, but at the Tournament of Champions, not even one round at even par or under par. So Kevin Nas is my massive fan in this tier, uh, so we will share that one. Is it bad that I, didn't, I kind of forgot that Kevin Nas was even in the field last week? Um, No, I'm sure uh, I didn't see him on TV at all. And I mean, when he finished uh, DFL, as you like to say, it's – very easy to not be looking at the leaderboard. Well, I guess he, he was. He did beat Keith Mitchell, Mark Trainer, but I was gonna say. I was gonna say he was. He was. Yeah, he was thirty seconds. I didn't. I don't even remember like last week going over the field. I don't even remember seeing him in the field. Like, I mean, I, I remember he who won was it uh, the Charles Schwab Challenge. I think was the one he won, but that might be right. Yeah. Wow. I honestly wouldn't remember what he won, but yeah, I know he. I know he had a win last year, and he's a guy that. I kind of liked him because I I'd often made fun of my buddy's golf swing for being Kevin Na-ish um, back in the day when he would, like, hesitate and then not swing. Um, I don't know if you remember that god-awful swing that he used to uh, implore. implore. He took forever, and then like he would he would do his backswing, and then all of a sudden he would just abort. Uh, sometimes he would lift up on the downswing, and so he would swing at a tee ball but not, like, take a stroke because he had aborted. Like, it was bad, and I had a friend who – was awkward on the tee, still is, and so I would, I would, I was a Kevin Knott fan because I would always like uh, send him videos of Kevin Knott swing and be like, "Dude, this looks like you." And you know, if I'm sending you a PGA Tour swing, and in one regard, you have to take that as somewhat of a compliment, right? I mean, everybody tells me my swing looks like Jim Furyk. So what did I tell you? We don't do that anymore. Your swing looks like Matthew Wolf. Oh, I'm sorry. We don't do that. I'm still going major winner. We don't, we don't talk, talk. We don't, we don't talk, talk about, about that, that guy, guy whose uh, uh, last name starts with F U anymore. You're, man, you, you your Pittsburgh bias. <laughs> For those that don't know, he's a Steelers fan. I'm a Bengals fan, so I don't like Jim Furyk. For things that have nothing to do with golf. But at any rate, uh, your swing looks like Matthew Wolf. Thank you very much. Um, I wish I had the distance with him, but we'll we'll get you there. Um, maybe, maybe not. Maybe I shouldn't make that promise. Yeah, probably not. But I will promise. To move to the 6K, 6K tier, tier if you're ready. Yep. 
All right. All right. Um, again, a larger grouping than we had the, the last couple times out. And I think some values in this 6K tier. Skeeter, I know you uh, said that you think there's a guy or two you could turn to. So I'll turn to you first. Your favorite play in the 6K tier. No, 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 no. This is all you because we, we know who your favorite, or at least I think I know who your favorite play is. So, you know, this is this is the reason why people listen to the show. So uh, this, this uh, the following segment is sponsored by Charlie Hoffman Fan Club. Uh, would, would the president of said club please speak at this time? Well, I mean, I'll be honest with you. If I'm turning to the 6K tier, I will certainly have my Charlie lineups. Um, it's hard for me to make the cases, he being my favorite play. I mean, 36 at CJ Cup, the rest of that fall swing, not so good. He was all right at Sanderson with the 23rd. Um, I promise you there will be Charlie Hoffman lineups. I know that. I would probably be more inclined to call him my second favorite play in this tier. I'm going to have to go out and long as my favorite at 68. I mean, I know that he wasn't great at Tournament of Champions. He did keep it under par at one under, but he was pretty good in the fall, right? RSM 35th, second at Mayakoba. Okay at Zozo, 51st, um, which if I get a 51st out of a guy in the 6K tier, I'll live with it. I'd hope for better, but 50, 46 at CJ Cup, 23rd at Safeway, 23rd at Sanderson, 14th at Greenbrier, so playing really well early fall, but at 6,800, I'll turn back to Adam Long. He didn't crush my hopes and dreams last week. Okay. Uh, my favorite play is 6,700. will be the the winner of the Corn Fury Tour last year, and that would be Zinjun Zhang, who, who, in his only prior appearance here two years ago, when he first came in the tour and struggled a little bit, so had to go back to... Uh, Corn Fury, where he fared out very well, was 25th. He's playing better now. Uh, you know, he's sixth in my model, surprisingly. He's seventh in birdies or better, ninth in approach, 14th tee to green. Putting is the only slight concern. But even back in the fall, he was gaining strokes consistently on approach in every single tournament, was gaining off the tee, was fairly good around the green. Putting was a little bit of a concern, but I can, I can live with that. You're not going to get everything you want at 6,700, but... He feels like he's he should be in the seven K. So six seven hundred for Zinjun Zhang for me. Let's go. All right. Um, I certainly have no argument with that. I think sometimes maybe the guy to find in the six K tier is is a younger player like that who's emerging. Um, I said Hoffman would be my other play. I think there's a couple of names worthy of consideration as well. But before I maybe fire a couple at you, I'll ask you if there's another one that sticks out as well as Zhang. Uh, there's a few for me. Uh, Doc Redman at 6,600. He played pretty well in the fall, and I think mm-hmm. his talent-wise is there. Speaking of playing well in the fall and coming off the Corn Ferry Tour, he played very well. Mark Hubbard at 6,500. You know, he was a guy that I think I used for a few weeks in a row. Not a great course history here, but I think this is a different type of player. And if we're going to go with another Corn Ferry guy, uh, 6,400 for Scott Harrington. Ranked 7th tee to green for me, 21st in greens and regulation. I uh, do worry about whether or not he can find a fairway or not, but I'll say that he played pretty well in the fall, so I have no problem with him at 6,400. Um, I, I mean, I know we share a same player at 6,200, so I'll hold off on him for you. Okay. Well, I assume you are interested then in one Jim Herman uh, at 6,200. He's one of the names that, like, he, he wasn't great on Sunday, 78 to go plus one. 
Um, but he had low ownership last week, and he was playing decent before Sunday's plus five. Like, I was thinking, man, I maybe found something with Jim Herman. Look, the reality is he's just not in the same class as a lot of these other golfers, but he also won last year on tour. Um, down the stretch wasn't great, but he was 35th at the RSM. We're talking about 6,200 here. You mainly just want him to make the cut. I'm interested in Jim Herman. If I need to save a bunch of money, that's where I'll go at the bottom of the list. Yeah, the problem. He's got a tenth here. It was three years ago. Yeah, the problem is even like last it. year was the win came out of literally nowhere. He'd been missing yes. yeah, missing a bunch of cuts, but then actually thirty fifth at RSM wasn't terrible. Um, and when the win came out of nowhere, nowhere by the way, it came from a secondary field as well. I think it was the same week as the Open, right? Yeah, the Barbasol. Um, yeah, so. Um, Gaining what a, I mean, he's been he gained an approach the last two tournaments. Getting off the tee is just his short game around the green. If he if he doesn't find a green, he's in trouble. And then he was not a good putter last week. So, but again, at sixty two hundred, you're as you said, you're hoping for a made cut. So yeah. Any other names for you? I mean, he's won it twice. He's a major champion. He's playing terrible. Jimmy Walker. Is there any way you would go there? I mean, a few years ago, was played Jimmy Walker every time he was in Hawaii, so I don't mind taking a flyer on him. Okay, okay. Um, um, just, just curious because, because but you I mean, see that's those only, that's back-to-back wins. Yeah, you're only playing as Hawaii history. You're not playing for any form. What about what another, another former champ, champ Fabian Gomez? Gomez? And I think, and I think it's, it's funny, funny when you look at his tournament history. history. It is outside the top 50 or a win. Is that just an anomaly? Can we ignore that? Oh, it actually rates out decent. I mean, he it's top 30 in fairways gained, tee to green in proximity from 150 to 175. Just doesn't give himself a whole lot of birdie opportunities. I don't mind it. Okay. Um, I, think I think the, the last, last one uh, I'd probably look at is uh, is Nate, Nate Lashley, Lashley, who we weren't sure about last week. week. And he, he did, did play, play, basically, uh, coming off of an injury from before the, 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 the cut, uh, the, before the cut, before the, uh, um, the holiday season. He was, he was two under last week for 19th. Not great, not bad. He's 6,800. He was 20th at CJ Cup. Does Nate Lashley do anything for you at 6,800? No, he doesn't do anything for me. Uh, okay. That's about it as far as I've got for you in the 6K territory, as far as guys we didn't already uh, mention. I mean, there are some names here that are like. There are certainly some names, right? Graham McDowell's in the 6K ter- territory. And he has 6,300. I mean,. There's even some names about guys who, well, I mean, Chesson Hadley, 6,400. But even guys who, are, you know, we've kind of forgotten about just because they've been hurt. Like James Hahn, 6,300. I mean, if he, if he finds back to his form. Uh, Mackenzie Hughes, who I always somehow end up on once in a while. He's down here. Jerry Kelly, he's a former winner, played well. Mainly on the Champions Tour now. but um, Patton Kazire, another former winner in the 6K tier up top. Uh, Graham Dillette coming off injury, so, like, this isn't, I mean, VJ Singh at 6K, he's usually good for a made cut every now and then somewhere, but there's some, there's some interesting names here, again, there's guys I want to touch, but. Yeah, yeah. Duffner, another former major champion, uh, I guess you're, you're always a major champion once you win one, right, so, but he's in this, uh, 6K tier as well, like, there are names, um, these aren't really names I'm going after, VJ, Duff, but. They're definitely, They're definitely names, uh, names, uh, names we, we know, know of. Even Sam Ryder at 6,500. I think I remember using him. Troy Merritt. Mm, yeah, there, there's a lot of names. Again, I'm not using many of these, but 
Chris Kirk would be another interesting one. How he's coming off of the, um, I think he was uh, had a deal with some alcohol problems. I think he got that thing care of. Um, he's a guy frequently used, but you know, I think I kind of want to wait and see how he's how he's playing off of that. But he's got three top tens here the past seven years. So he also has three missed cuts. So he's your boom bust potential, I suppose here. I think there's one, one more at 6,900 that I did have uh, written down. We didn't mention Sung Kang. He played really decent down the fall for a 6,900, man. I looked at him. What did he do last week? Uh, 25th. He finished that even. Uh, he was he had two 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 73s, a 72, and a 74. He did he did absolutely nothing. But he finished 17th at Zozo. He finished 26th at CJ Cup. 29th at Shriners. Like. He had a really nice fall. Now, the fact that, you know, he had, what, 16 birdies, 12 bogeys, two double bogeys or, or worse, um, to get him that even finish, uh, at least it was 16 birdies and not three birdies and three bogeys. I mean, at least he gave you some drafting points with that even. Yeah, my problem with him is his his irons have been really bad. Very good off the tee, but... This, I mean, his approach has been bad, and when he does well, it's, he, he seems to rely on this putter. Okay. okay. Just, uh, just, uh, just uh, I guess, I guess the, the one last name in the 6K tier I was interested in. Um, anybody else that you want to throw at us? Oh, yeah, I forgot. Uh, T. Dunks, Tyler Duncan, played well last week. Uh, rates out top 30 in greens regulation, fairways gain, T to green approach and proximity. So uh, I don't know if you can make enough birdies, but at 6,800, we're not asking for a ton. Yeah, coming off of a minus two last week as well. So um, uh, outside of a 78 in the second round, he actually played really good last week. So I could get behind that one. I think in the 6Ks, it's all a little risk-reward, right? Absolutely. More, more risk than probably reward more often than not. Yes, yes. But uh, no, I mean, I think uh, I think that's all the names I've got. There's certainly more names that I recognize and have played in the past, but I think those are all the ones I'm interested in down there. Now, for the real fun of this segment, uh, one and done, since you and I are now in the same big Gups Corner uh, one and done. Yep, I haven't picked yet, um, but I think the real question is, are you using somebody you consider elite in this field, a.k.a. Thomas Simpson? Maybe that's it. Are you going with one of those guys and burning them before we get to major season? Because if they don't win, I feel like it's a loss using one of those guys here. Yeah, but again, if you get the guy that wins, I mean, it's a good start, and you, you never turn down anybody who wins. So, um, JT is in my short list of people I'm considering. I could go to Neiman. Um, I could go Charles Howell. If I really want to go contrarian, maybe I go Brian Harmon. But um, I would say those are probably the four that I'm looking at. Okay. I don't know where, and I might end up on somebody completely different. Like maybe I'll forget. It. I'll just go more Akala and. Go from there, but I feel like I'm saving him too. Like I feel without having hit submit here on a, I guess it would be a Thursday afternoon by the time this tournament actually tees off. I'll have one in there, always ready to to make a uh, a transition call. But seems like Charles Howell the third might be the way to go for me. I think I used him last year, but it didn't hurt you either. No, no, no. Actually, I'm sorry. I used him two years ago. Last year, I used JT. Okay. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I can see myself going, uh, going on in several directions this week. I don't think I will use a 10K golfer in this tournament. I don't think I will, but I'm, I don't know. Yeah, if I don't use JT, I'm not using anybody else up there because 
I mean, I mean Webb, Webb still, still is, is looking, looking to get that, that win, win, right? I mean, you talked about it. I think I want to save Webb for the Carolinas, whether it's Heritage or if I still have him coming to Wyndham. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm, I'm saving Webb. Webb. I'm, I'm either using JT, JT which I'd almost guarantee you I'm not, not going, going to. to. Um, I, I think, think I'll, I'll be going, going to the Charles Howe, Corey Connors, somebody like that. I mean, who knows? I don't I don't know if I'll go to the Cam Smiths of the world if I'll get that crazy. Um, probably going to use, probably going to use how I'll be honest with you. I'm probably just going to use that, put that course history on the books and roll with it and hope he gets me a top 10. Yeah, I think that's, I think that's quite fair. But and I wouldn't be shocked if I end up on him just for that reason. Yeah. Like, I feel like it's, uh, not necessarily like, I, I don't think I'm going to get the winner, but I also don't think I'm going to get a guy who doesn't make the cut and let's just get on with, uh, you know, next week is the way I'm kind of. Looking at it. We'll see, though. We'll see. Neiman's tempted me, though. Yeah, I don't mind you using him. He's coming off of a very uh, very good week, right? So I don't mind it one bit. Yeah, decisions to be made. Yeah, so we'll get to those as well. We'll be talking about that throughout the course of the season. Hopefully um, it's something to be talked about and not just uh, us trying to get out of the bottom half of the field or something. But that all remains to be seen. But keep that in mind that – it is time to start making those plays. So if you're going to be playing in uh, in events like that, um, get yourself in there before the, before the tee-off happens Thursday. Yeah, I know the Gupps Corner one is done, but I'm sure you can find some other ones on some other sites as well. But what was the – I want to say – there was I'm – trying, I'm trying to think how many people ended up on this. Um, I forget how many. I want to say it's some – Big number, like 5,000 golf. No, was it 6,000? No, hold on, sorry. 3,000 uh, 3, unique entries because it's a single entry this year. 3,000 people in the big one and done. Sweet. And so let's see, no prizes yet, but I bet I bet first place will pay five figures. Well, well let's, uh, let's, let's hope, hope that, that we're, we're even talking about, about that come, um, I don't know, September. September. Yeah, that'd be great. <laughs> let's hope we're talking about it. I just hope I'm somewhere near where I can cash. That would be fun for me. That's, that's what I'm saying. Let's let's get into uh, a winning pop proposition. So, um, anything else that we want to uh, we want to cover here for the Sony Open? I don't think so. Uh, the only other thing I mentioned is if you're still playing football. I will, I will have showdown slate articles up for the for the Saturday and Sunday games. Not sure when I'll get those posted. Depends when DraftKings gets them posted and when I have time to write them. But um. Something to look out for, too, if you're still playing football. So, so sweet. Yeah, yeah, keep your eyes on all of that. As, uh, you know, we still have playoff football to get through. We'll still be playing some DFS football. I know uh, I did last week. I certainly will again this week. So uh, keep an eye out for all of that. And we'll be back again next week with some more golf combo as well, right? Absolutely, yeah. It'll be the – they keep renaming the tournament. Um, oh, boy. used to be the career builder, and I forget what they call it now, but it's the – it's the first of the Pro-Am events, the three-day Pro-Am, where they play three different courses. and It'll be a scoring fest, but it can be a little bit annoying trying to figure out what the cut's going to be. Yeah, yeah well, we'll, we'll, uh, we will we'll get, get you all prepped, prepped for that. But for now, good, good luck to everybody, everybody playing. playing. Little, little DFS in the Sony Open. Open. Uh, uh, good luck to anybody still alive doing, doing uh, football, football playoff challenges and playing your playoff Football lineups as well, so stay tuned to My Fantasy Fix for all of that throughout the course of the week. We'll be back with more golf next week, but for now, good luck, everybody. The uh, opening week, and Happy New Year for those that weren't uh, with us for the Tournament of Champions, and 
For Skeeter Robinson, I'm James Adams. This has been the DFS Golf Podcast, the Fantastics My Fantasy Fix DFS Golf Podcast.